Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. For the Trump administration's views on a jobs report now, I'm really pleased to say we're joined on Bloomberg Television and on Bloomberg Radio by Larry Kudlow, National Economic Council Director. Larry, great to catch up with you. Bit of confusion around the desk on the payrolls report. So let's start with your interpretation. Big freak number on the top line, then wage growth is pretty solid. What do you see? I, I agree with you. I think that top line number 20,000 is an absolute fluke. And there are a million reasons for that. Winter seasonals. The government shutdown, the scoring of it, the um, you know, classification of people working and non-working, I think it's crazy. More interesting was the household survey, which tends to pick up smaller businesses and from which unemployment is derived. So the household survey was up 255,000. That's a very big number. Hence, unemployment fell nicely from 4 to 3.8%. And as you noted, John, the wage rates, average hourly earnings, 12-month change is now up to 3.4%. That's a terrific number, uh, biggest in quite some time. And I want to add one point to those people who incorrectly believe that higher wages and more people working cause inflation. That's wrong in my judgment. But if you buy that, just think of this. Earlier this week, we had a number on productivity, output per hour, really the heart of the growth of the market economy. 1.8% increase for the four quarters in 2018, John. Yeah. That's a big number. We haven't seen that, right? It's been flirting with zero for years. So let's say your wages are rising at 3.4%. I would argue the workforce is earning its pay increase with more productive and efficient activity. So if you take your 3.4 minus 1.8, your 1.6%, that's not inflationary. That's actually below the Fed's targets if you follow that logic. So I'm quite happy with that. And I think it shows a very healthy economy. So Larry, I think the Federal Reserve at this point would actually agree with a lot of what you've said, specifically on the wage growth number, not meaning much for headline price pressures. At the moment, we just get this concern back on the table about global growth. Are you confident that the U.S. is pretty well insulated to the slowdown we're seeing abroad? Uh, yes, I am. I am. I, I'm not saying that we, we live in a complete island, but look, we're the hottest economy in the world because we've made some important pro-growth reforms. You and I have talked about lower tax rates, deregulation, opening up energy and so forth. Good attitudes. You know, we're not There's no war against business here. That's good. The other trouble is Europe the one I'm interested in. We'll probably get to China in a moment. But, John, I, you know, Mr. Draghi is a very smart man. I, I'm not here to take his inventory. I'm just saying another round of that version of QE, right, uh, concessionary cheap loans to banks. I believe this is the fourth round. That, that's not the answer, John. The answer is they've got to make labor and fiscal reforms throughout Europe. And most of those countries haven't really done it. So their growth rates are uncomfortably close to zero. I don't think Europe is in a, an outright recession, uh, but the growth rates are so low. We are buying their goods. If it weren't for the U.S., you know, our consumers are buying their goods. Yeah. Our businesses are buying their capital goods, right, industrial goods. We're the only demand they have. So it's kind of working the other way. It's not that they're damaging us. 
we're trying to help them. But at some point, they've got to take measures. You know, help comes to those who help themselves. So the European situation is the European situation. I, I wish them luck. We had trade talks this week. How did they go, uh, Larry? Well, you know what? I'm going to use the term constructive. Uh, Ambassador Lighthizer is our leader. Uh, I participated uh, with the Secretary General of the EU, Martin Selmayr. We're moving towards uh, what some of us call an early harvest on things like LNG and soybeans and single standards uh, on, on pharmaceuticals and so forth. There are a lot of issues here. We're moving in the right direction to show that the United States and the EU can, in fact, have a much better trade relationship. By the way, the EU is helping us with China. The EU is giving China a very difficult time on exactly the same structural issues that we are discussing with the Chinese. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just say the, Europe, the European trade story uh, looks better to me. So, Larry, let's talk about the Chinese story. There is a feeling from a lot of people I've been speaking to on Wall Street. I, I wonder whether you've been speaking to the same people that the president wants a quick deal and he wants a quick deal because he's worried about the markets. Is that true? Does the president want a quick deal here, Larry? No. I've never understood that story. How many times does the president have to say it has to be a good deal for the United States across the board? You know, IP theft, forced transfer of technology, cyber hacking, ownership, enforcement. You know the issues yeah. as well as I do. He has said this time and again. Now, I think there's a lot of optimism from the president, and I share his optimism. The deal's not done yet. We're still working away. There's communications all, all this week, by the way, between the U.S. team and the, and the China team. But a quick deal? Heck no. He wants a good deal for the U.S. Workers, right? Farmers, ranchers, small businesses, technology companies. He wants a good deal. Remember, he walked out of the North Korean talks. He did. And it wasn't to his liking. Is he prepared to walk away from these talks? Well, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to speculate. I'm just saying that he's making a point, if these things are not in America's interests, whatever, whether it's a security deal or a trade deal, yeah. if they're not in America's interest, he will not accept it. That's the only point I'm making. Now, don't read me bearish. I'm not bearish. Neither is the president. But again, this idea of a quick deal just to get a pop in the stock market, I, 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 I just want to strenuously disagree well, with that's that what I want to clarify with you right now, Larry. After Hanoi, he said sometimes you just have to walk away. There's a belief amongst a lot of people, and you can tell me and put that right, there's a belief among a lot of people that on this particular issue, he won't be willing to walk away because he's worried about the price action in the market. Are you saying that's just not true? The market action, the price action, isn't a factor in these negotiations. That is just not true. That is just not true. He has to do what's best for American technology, for American workers, American manufacturers, American farmers, and it has to be enforceable, John. Yeah. It has to be enforceable. Ambassador Lighthizer has put together a very detailed and innovative enforcement procedure, okay? The Chinese signed on to it when they were here two weeks ago. We are waiting to see if President Xi and the Politburo in Beijing will 
continue to stay signed on. Those are the factors. We have to protect the United States. We have to protect our own interests, our own technology, our own security. So, no, no, a, a few points one way or another on the Dow is not driving his thinking. Never has been, actually. I didn't know where that came from. I'm not saying, by the way, again, let, let me underscore this point. The president is uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, so am I. So is our you know, trade policy group, my colleagues. Uh, so I don't want to say that we're about to leave. But if it's not the right deal for this country and this country's long-term future, John, we won't take it. And uh, POTUS has made that very clear. Let's talk about the, the enforcement mechanism, Larry. A lot of people are confused as to how you come up with a mechanism to enforce the Chinese to make sure they don't do anything funny with the currency. What is the thinking here, Larry? Just lift the lid on the negotiations. What is the enforcement mechanism there, aside from just a written agreement from the Chinese and a pledge not to do it? Well, look, um, on the currency point, we've asked for currency stability, number one, no manipulation. And number two, we've asked for greater transparency, John, where transparency in this case means we would like to know as quickly as possible any currency interventions undertaken uh, by China. We'd like to know that that's part of the deal. That was agreed to uh, in the talks here in Washington. We'll see if we get a sign-off. Uh, from the top uh, leaders in Beijing. So, Larry, so that, as you know, currency story. as you know, the trade deficit in the United States just came in at the widest level in a decade. The economy is strong, importing more here in the United States. That was inevitable. The president, though, wants to close that trading gap. And I'm just wondering how much of that is within your control and how much of that will actually be down to what happens in the FX market. Well, look, on that point, I think the increase in the trade gap is largely a function of American growth. We're the fastest growing economy of all the major countries and that our uh, supply side policies on low tax rates and deregulation and trade reform, by the way, we have a very good U.S. MCA trade deal cooking with Congress. Nobody ever wants to talk about that. I think it's really important and I think it's pro-growth. So our growth right now is, in fact, generating a faster or a wider trade gap. You're quite right. But, you know, that's, that's a good reason. I'd like to see these other countries grow faster. That would help us. But with regard to China or any other trading uh, space, John, the key point for us is to break down barriers so we have reciprocal tariffs and non-tariff uh, deals yeah. and allow American businesses, right, to export Give us the market openings to export. We are the most competitive economy in the world today. And if you open the door, we will sell you tons and tons and tons of goods. And that will shrink the trade deficit. That's a pro-growth solution to trade. And I'm hoping, and again, I am guardedly optimistic as president is, with regard to China, I believe we are moving in that direction. Market openings for USA, export sales, industrial commodities, agricultural commodities, and also, again, fair, fair and legal uh, technology uh, discussions and uh, laws. That's what we're aiming for. And by the way, don't, I, I'm not bear. Believe me, I'm just saying, to your point, there's no willy-nilly fast deal here to get 30 points on the Dow. This is a long-term, historic 
historic opportunity for the future of the United States. Do we have a date for a meeting with President Xi, Larry? I beg your pardon? Do we have a date for a meeting with President Xi? Nothing, nothing in cement, John. I can't report anything in cement. Um, the news reports of late March are, uh, in a loose sense, accurate, but nothing in cement. It could go into April. No, no strict. Here again, let me fall back. We want to get it right. So we made a lot of agreements here in Washington two weeks ago. Very, very fruitful, positive talks with uh, Vice Premier Liu He and his group. Now it has to go back and clear the top level at President Xi and the Politburo in Beijing. But we want to get it right, John. You know what? That's the key, not the timing not even the place. We have to get it right so it's in America's interest. Hey, Larry, always great to get the insight from you and the administration. Thank you for always dropping by after payrolls. Larry Kudlow there joining us from Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide. I'm Bloomberg Radio.